And I, we're also going to do things slightly different. I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna try not to move. Uh, I found out, actually it was kind of a realization Jen and I were talking about a little bit on the way over here, something I've been thinking about all week. Um, when did I do that, that vlog challenge? Was that Tuesday, Wednesday? I don't know, sometime middle of the week. Um, my fellow vlog pastor Jared last week decided he was going to get something out there because he hadn't put any videos out in quite a while. So he had an hour that his wife was going to be going and getting coffee with one of her friends. And he thought, well, how about I just go ahead and record and edit and upload a vlog in an hour? Well, it didn't work. But then out of that came this little challenge and I am a glutton for punishment apparently. So it's like somebody makes a challenge and I'm thinking, well, if there's a challenge, I have to accept it, right? If you didn't know this about me, I think I'm an idiot. So it's like, I, I do the stupidest things. And since then, I have been in so much pain. Like my back is out, it feels like it was a rib, but it doesn't quite feel like a rib. And I've been having even more chest pains and it's like all over the place. And it's reminding me, you know, from a few years back where doc diagnosed me with stress-induced gastritis. And I was like, what is stress-induced gastritis? He said, eh, it's just a fancy term for you're doing too much and your body decide to shut you down. I'm like, oh, so I should slow down. And he's like, yeah, you think? Well, it was just kind of funny that that dawns on me and I'm looking at my notes and um, it, it was titled, I can't do it all. Um, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so I was like, oh, uh, yes. I love how the timing just like seems, seems to fit um, because I have realized I, I do a lot, like a lot. And I always get these people that meet me online and just from the outside they're looking in and they see what I'm doing and they think that's a lot, but they don't see what's going on when the camera's off, when I'm not taking pictures, when I'm not doing video. And um, oftentimes there's a lot more to that. Sometimes you luck out like my friend Justin yesterday and he just happens to be next to Micah who pulls up our living room security camera and he sees me laying on the couch doing nothing. And then people will see that. Like last week, they Saturday hit, and here's Jared asking me to do this challenge. And I was like, no, it's Saturday. I'm not doing anything. Like, I'm doing nothing today. Because I've realized that I do need to rest, and I need to try to relax a little bit. But everybody sees from the outside looking in, and they think, you know, I'm doing so much. How do you do it all? And I've been saying, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I do it all. But I think that's the wrong answer. I think the correct answer should just be, I don't. Not, I don't know, I don't. How do you do it all? I don't. I, I don't do it all. What I do is I make decisions of things that I want and need to do. And by making those decisions, it also makes a decision of things that I don't want and don't need to do. So I don't do it all, I just do different things. When I was thinking about 
this message and preparing, and of course, you know, it was like, I can't do it. I can't do it all. I realized that there are a lot of times that I am just completely out of it. Um, and maybe you can relate to those moments where you're just, you're out of it. it maybe I'm like out of it physically, so I'm out of shape. Uh, maybe it's I'm just out of it emotionally, so I'm feeling just out of sorts. Uh, maybe it's I'm out of touch relationally, or sometimes it's even that we're out of order spiritually. We just don't have things in the right order. And one way or another, it's like we're just out of it. Whether that be physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, sometimes all of the above, we can be out of it so bad. And I think in those moments, we kind of need to have these come to Jesus meanings where we need to realize that just because we're out of it doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing. We've got to go back to the source and say, what should we be out of and what should we be in? Now, when I was thinking about that last part about being out of order spiritually and just being out of it, um, you know, you can't help but look around at church sometimes and it's like there's a lot of empty seats. And I'm not even talking about the people that do have good reasons for not being here. I'm just talking about we got a lot of seats here and there's a lot of bodies that could be occupying a lot of seats. And it's like that all across the board in a lot of churches. And... Uh, you know, 2020 was a good thing because it really kind of exposed people's hearts, revealed where they were really at spiritually. But as a collective body in the church, it should be a sobering reality for us to finally see that there are a lot of people who called themselves Christians, but they're not really devoted to Christ. Or at least they're not devoted to the teachings of Christ, the ways of Christ. I like studying the statistics and they're always doing studies and surveys across the church and, you know, across America and just across the world. And, hey, uh, do you identify as Christian or not Christian? And the, the statistics vary, you know, whether it's 70 percent of Americans say they're Christian or 50 percent of Americans or sometimes it's 30 percent. And it just depends on how they define it. But I found one study that was actually pretty good because it was talking about active Christians and non-active Christians. And it defined active Christians as those who actually attend church at least once a month. That's less than half of the total of number who just identify as Christians. It was something like 40% of those who say they're Christians will actually attend church at least once a month. I didn't want to go any further to find out about the people that attend twice a month or every Sunday, because you know, as you get into more of that attendance, the number's gonna keep going down and down. And yet the hard part is when you start to look at all these different surveys and you look at some of the reasoning of why people don't attend church, and it's hard because some will say, well, I just don't attend church because I don't know if I believe that anymore. Well, then you're not a Christian. I, I don't attend church because, you know, I don't like their stance on this. Well, you're just not a Christian anymore. But when you start to look at those who identify as Christians and identify with the teachings and still believe it, 
but they just don't attend at least once a month, you find it's one main reason. We're too busy. We're just too busy. And sometimes that's because of work. Sometimes it's because of hobbies. Sometimes it's because of family obligations. But the fact comes down to people don't attend church that want to attend church because they're too busy. And so the reason that we're out of it is because we're too busy. Not just out of it spiritually. If you're out of it relationally, like you're just out of touch with somebody, why are you out of touch? I mean, think about that. You call somebody, you talk to somebody you haven't spoken to in years. Hey, what's been going on? Oh, life's just been busy. It's like, why haven't you reached out? Why haven't you talked to me? Why haven't you, you know, communicated? I've just been busy. And so you've got this type of deal. What about, you know, when you're just feeling out of sorts emotionally? Like when you're emotionally out of sorts and you're just out of it, it's like, well, why are you out of sorts emotionally? You've been too busy to actually take time to get your head on straight. You're just too busy. And if you're out of shape, well, I'm just too busy to exercise. I'm too busy to plan out meals and eat healthy because the fast food is so much quicker. It saves me time. So for us to be out of it, it really comes down to us being too busy. And that's a problem. Because as Christians, we often believe this saying that is out there and it's very pervasive and it's that God won't give us more than we can handle. And that's not in your Bible anywhere. Like you can't find it. What you can find in your Bible is in 1 Corinthians and it says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common, but God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted beyond what is able. But that's talking about temptation. That's not talking about things. It's not talking about the, the amount of things that we have that occupy our lives and keep us so busy. The hard reality, I think, for me to face, and maybe it'll be hard for you to face, is that God will give us more than we can handle. And he likes to give us more than we can handle. And the reason is because we're not supposed to handle it all. We have to realize, I can't do it all. But he can. So in those moments that we have this, this realization that I'm just, I'm out of it. I can't do it all. We need to come to Jesus meeting. That's what I want us to do this morning is to have this come to Jesus meeting. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to pull it up. We're not going to have it up on the screen because Nancy's not here with us. Nancy, if you're listening to this afterwards, we're all praying for you and believing you're healthy and whole and healed. Uh, we are going to go to Matthew chapter 11, by the way. If you don't have a physical Bible, you can always pull up your fancy little Bible app and just tap to Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to look at verse 28 through 30. And I am going to take time this morning to make sure that we're all there. 
and we're kind of catching some of these. We're only going to have a few of these that I'll make sure that we go to because I think it's, it's very powerful for us to see this. And if we're going to have this come to Jesus meeting, well, I want us to see the words of Jesus. So we're looking at Matthew chapter 11 this morning. And if you don't have a physical or a digital Bible and you would like one, you can also throw a hand in the air and we will get you one because we're just taking that much time. All right, Matthew chapter 11. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. Verse 28 says, Come to me, all, who, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is is light. Now this is this is Jesus speaking to us. And I hope you recognize that it's Jesus speaking to you this morning, especially if you've in that moment where you feel like you're just out of it at times. This is Jesus saying, "Hey, come to me. Here's this come to Jesus meeting. I need you to come to me because you need to find some rest. I I need to find some rest." When my body's acting up and it's giving me all sorts of fit, all of a sudden I realize I need to rest, especially with my condition because I know it's all stress related, which means I know it's all up in this head and because the head is not finding rest, my mind is not at rest or maybe as you can see here, my soul is not at rest. Your soul is where your mind, your will and your emotions are at. And so if my soul is not at rest, then the anxiety creeps up. The stress comes in and all of a sudden my soul starts acting out to the point my body starts shutting down. I need this come to Jesus meeting where he's saying, hey, come, come to me. I'll give you the rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. And this is like, this is just... Why I've not seen this. Why I've not seen this. The thing is, is we're often going to Jesus and trying to give our yoke to him while we're still holding on to it. And that's not even what he's asking. He says, come to me, you who are labor and are heavy laden. You who are burdened. You who are feeling down. You who are out of it. I'm going to give you my rest. Take my yoke upon you. He's not saying, hey, let's exchange yokes. He's just saying, leave your yoke there. If you don't know what a yoke is, think about, you know, oxen. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you've not. Maybe there have been pictures of it. And it's that big, like, log that's got curves. And it sets on their shoulders and they're pulling it. It's the thing that pulls the workload. That's what it is. And oftentimes, it's a double yoke where there are two that are able to come in. And when one is weak, the other is able to pick up that extra support. Well, here's Jesus saying, take my yoke upon you. And in verse 30, he says, it's easy. My yoke is easy. 
What is he not saying? Your yoke is not. That's the thing that he's omitting here is that our yoke is not easy. His is easy. And his is light. And ours are heavy laden. His is the light one. He's like, take this. Why is his easy and why is his light? Because he already knows where he's going, what he's doing, and he's got the strength to do it alone. He's just taking us along for a ride. And when we start to take his yoke upon us, we find rest and rest for our souls. And I don't know about you, but I read this and I'm thinking this is the come to Jesus meeting that I need. I need to come to Jesus meeting, not where I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm brought into the principal's office and they cracked a ruler over my knuckles or I got hauled into the kitchen and grandma told me to run out in the yard and grab a switch. That's not the type of come to Jesus meeting I'm getting. I'm getting a come to Jesus meeting. He's like, hey, you're out of it. You're out of sorts. You're out of shape. You're out of touch. Guess what? I want to help you. I want to give you rest. Because you're not just out of shape and out of sorts and out of touch. You're also out of order. Because you're trying to do something that you shouldn't be doing. When I see that, I'm like, okay. I need this. I need that rest in my mind. I need that rest in my soul. I need that rest in my will. Like, I, I, I don't want to always be wanting to run and to be hurried and always thinking, what's next? What have I got to do? There's too much to do. But there's something inside of me that wants that and longs for that. And when I have those moments of, of rest, like when I find margin in my life, I like to fill in the margin. I feel like I don't want to waste any space. And if I've got emptiness here, well, why don't we fill it with something? I can take on more. I can do more. That's my will that wants to do that. And it's like, no, my will needs to find rest. My emotions need to find rest. I need to be taking on his yoke. I need to be taking on his workload, not my own. In other words, I need to take on what he wants me to take on, not what I've decided to take on. These come to Jesus meetings often happen in our lives when we are just doing too many things. We got too many things going on in our lives. And I want to show a few examples here in the scripture, maybe a few suggestions of what we should do with these things. And the first thing is some things need to be shared. Turn with me to Exodus 18. We're going to go back and we're going to look at what Moses was told about some of these things that he was doing. Exodus chapter 18, and I want you to just kind of locate verse 17 and 18. And this is Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. And man, Jethro had some good advice for Moses right here. This is some good godly advice. 
Exodus 18, verse 17, Moses' father-in-law says to him, The thing that you do is not good. Let me just pause right there. And I'm going to say this to you while also realizing I'm saying it to myself. Some of the things that you do are not good. And here's why. Verse 18, Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Some things that we do are not good because some of those things we do, we're doing by ourselves, and some of these things need to be shared. Some things need to be shared. The burden needs to be shared. Some of it needs to be shared with Jesus directly, where it's like, I can't do this. I'm just putting it in his hands. I've done my part. Now it's up to you. Some of it is even naturally, we need to be able to share it with others, with coworkers, with friends, with family members, with church members. There are things that we need to share. I mean, for so many years here in my life, anytime there was manual labor to be done, I was doing it and I had to do it. And I did it by myself and I drove my mother insane because she would always look at me and I'm doing a project and I don't have the right tool. And she'd be like, you know, I can run to the garage real quick and get it for you. And I'd be like, sure, go ahead and do that. Well, I'd just pull out like a key and wind up using it as a screwdriver. or I'd use my fist as a hammer instead of waiting for her. I don't have time for this. I'm not going to wait for her. And I would do it. And sure enough, by the time she got back with the right tool, I was already done and I didn't need it anymore. I don't need her help. Around the house, I was always doing all the projects. Wouldn't let anybody help me. Didn't want anybody to help me. It was only after a couple emergency room visits that all of a sudden it's like, maybe I can't do all of this by myself anymore. I, I sometimes wonder if I suffer from a little PTSD with projects down here at the church. Because the last two that I've done, I did wind up in the Sheraton ER. It was like there had to be some big event for me to share some little things. It was the big thing that finally affected the little things. But these were things that I had to learn to share. I had to be okay with saying it's just not going to get done. If it's all on me, it's just not going to happen. I'm just not going to do it. And I think there are more things in my life that do need to be shared other than just that thing. There's a lot of things that we do need to share in our lives. Uh, I'll just read this one here for you real quick. It's Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. And it says that we're to bear or share one another's burdens. And in doing so, that's how we fulfill the law of Christ. To share one another's burdens. To carry one another's burdens. When we're doing that, we're actually fulfilling what Christ has told us to do. And can you see that parallel with what Christ said he will do? Come to me, all you who are burdened, heavy laden, those of you who are weary. Take my yoke upon you, you'll find rest. Well, we're supposed to be doing the same thing for others, helping them out and sharing 
which means we should also be giving others the opportunity to share with us. So there are some things that just need to be shared. There are other things that need to be stopped. Turn with me back to uh, the Gospels, and we're going to go to actually uh, Luke chapter 10 here. In Luke chapter 10, we find this story of uh, a couple sisters, Mary and Martha, and Jesus is over, coming over for a house visit. And of course, you know, you got a, a home visit, and one of them does what many of us would do. And, you know, that's, well, we got to get running around and we got to make sure everything is clean and everything is nice and it's all got to look perfect. Let's make sure we got all the toys picked up. got to get all the clothes picked up. Let's do the dishes, make sure that there's nothing left in the sink. While we're at it, let's go ahead and light a few candles. We want to get rid of the stench of teenage boys in the house. Uh, let's make sure that we bake the, the, the cookies. We want Jesus' favorite cookies all baked, ready to go. You know, he's, he's going to be here for a visit, so we want to make sure. Does Jesus like, like, what kind of milk does he like? Is it cow's milk or almond milk or cashew milk or maybe it's goat's milk? What milk does he want? We've got to get, maybe he doesn't even like milk. Is he a coffee or a tea person? How about we have both? <laughs> See? Nobody can relate to having guests over and you're running around and you're doing all of these things. Well, in Luke chapter 10, if you look at verse 41, look at this. This is uh, Martha. Martha has been, you can actually back up, and Martha, man, she's all upset because Martha's been running around doing all of this, getting ready. And what's Mary been doing? Nothing. Mary has been doing nothing. She's just been sitting on her butt and she's been entertaining Jesus. And she complains. And she's like, somebody, Jesus, would you please just tell my sister to get off her lazy tush and come help me? I'm trying to get things ready for you and she won't help. And Jesus, man, I love this. Verse 41, Jesus answers and says to me, Joshua, Joshua, you're worried and troubled about many things, but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Okay, so that was the Pastor Josh translation where Jesus is speaking to me and he's not speaking to Martha. You can put your own translation in there and just substitute her name for your name. Here's the thing. What he's saying is that there's only one thing that is actually needed. Only one thing is necessary. It's not the cooking. It's not the cleaning. It's not the, the getting ready. It's being with me. Jesus is saying this is the necessary part. She did the good thing. She chose. Look at that word right there. Look at that in verse 42. One thing is needed and Mary has chosen that. She chose that. You see, stopping things. Some things need to be stopped. In this moment, Martha needed to stop what she was doing and be with Jesus. There are things in our lives that we just got to stop doing and spend more time with Jesus. 
That's what we need to do. And it's our choice. It's a choice. I mean, I hear a lot of people, they'll sit there and be like, you know, if I had more time, I would read my Bible. If I had more time, I would pray more. If I had more time, you have enough time. We all have the same 168 hours a week. You choose to use your time the way you use it. So it's your choice. If you really wanted to read your Bible more, you would choose to read your Bible more. If you really wanted to pray more, you would pray more. You see, what we do with our choices is we actually show where our importance is. Martha thought the thing that was more important, the thing that was more necessary, was making sure that her home was spotless and clean and in order and that everything was ready for Jesus who was already there. Mary, on the other hand, Mary chose and showed what was more important to her. Jesus. In this moment, he's right here. I choose Jesus. Mary stopped things because she knew what was more important. So while some things need to be shared, other things need to be stopped. Psalm 46.10, it's a a great one. David says, be still and know that I am God. He says, be still. Be still. Can can you all say that? Be still. Say be still. Anyone else feel awkward with just being still here? To be still. You know, I think sometimes we don't even understand what that means. Here's a little Hebrew lesson for you. That word be still is the Hebrew word rafa, which it really means that we are to cease, to forsake, to leave, or to let alone something. A modern translation would be drop it. God's saying drop it. And just know that I'm God. Drop what you're doing. Or maybe stop it. Because in order for us to drop it, we have to stop it. And there are things in our lives that we just have to stop. We have to stop because we're the ones that added this. We added it and God never wanted us to add it. Things that we're doing. You know, I have these moments where all of a sudden I I think about how the world sees me. And it's like when the world sees me and recognizes me as being normal, there might be a problem. Because if they see me as normal, then they see me like them. 
and I should be anything but like them. Like there was a moment where I embraced the fact that everybody in the world thought that I was weird. (laughs) It was like I loved that label. You're just weird. Yes, I am. And praise God, I love being weird. But I mean, we, we think about there are so many things that we choose to do because the world does them. Because that's the way that it goes. Well, the world says we're supposed to be busy. The world says we can do more. The world says we got to be on the go all the time. The world says if I don't do that, I'm lazy. (coughs) What does God say? Because last I just read, God says drop it. And just know that I'm God. Stop doing what you're doing and just know that I am who I say I am and that I'm here for you. Man, how much easier would my life be if there were moments where I just stopped it all? I'm here, God. I don't care what's going on around me. I'm just here with you. Nothing else matters in this moment. Yeah, there's always stuff to do. I could always find stuff to do, and that's my problem because I always do find stuff to do. It's like I've always got to be in a hurry. I've always got to do something. Why is it never okay to just do nothing? Because sometimes that's exactly what God wants us to do is to just drop it, just stop it, just be still and know that he is God. And while some things need to be shared and other things need to be stopped, everything needs to be surrendered to God. Psalm 62.1 says that my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. Turn with me to Psalm 55, actually. And I want to kind of end on this thought out of Psalm 55. And while you're there, if you want to jump back over and take a look at Psalm 62.1. I like it out of the New King James as well. That one I was reading, I believe, was out of the ESV. New King James says that my soul silently waits for God. Silently waits for God. (laughs) My soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. Man. Like, I don't don't wish that anybody would ever be inside my mind for even a moment because this mind does not stop. It just runs all the time, and it is one of my biggest problems. It is just... It's go, 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 and it is tiring. It is tiring. This morning, Kier asked me, she's like, Dad, did, did you get a good night's sleep? No. I, like, I, I don't know what a good night's sleep is. I have a hard time going to sleep because I'll just be laying there. Genevieve tells me, you know how to fall asleep? You close your eyes and you don't do anything for 15 minutes. You'll fall asleep. I'm like, well, that'd be great. Somebody tell my mind that. 
Because an hour and a half later, I'm still trying to conquer the world in my mind. It's like it just, it runs and it runs until it hits the point of exhaustion. Like my, my mind, my soul silently waits. I find my rest in God alone. Well, fortunately, if I want to know how to do that, the answer is right here. Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord. He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Cast your burden. Cast your cares. Cast your worries. Cast your anxiety. Cast the things that you're concerned about on him. You could also say, surrender them to the Lord. Give them to the Lord. If you've ever been out fishing a day in your life, or even heard a story about what fishing is like, you understand what it means to cast something. Doesn't matter if it's a net or if it's a rod and a reel. To cast it is to get it as far away from you as possible. You're taking it from where it's at and you're putting it over there. I'm casting my rod. I'm casting my net. I'm throwing it. I'm getting rid of it. But yet we don't want to do that with Jesus. We don't want to cast it. We want to play catch and release. It's like we want to, hey, let's go. Let's throw it out there. Now we're going to pull it back and then we're going to throw it out there and we're going to pull it back and we're going to throw it out there and, and we're going to pull it back. That, that's what we're going to do. Or sometimes it's like we don't even throw it out there. We throw ourselves to him, but we don't throw our burdens to him. Imagine what it would be like if you're driving down the interstate, you see somebody on the side of the road broke down. You decide, you know what, we're not in uh, 2021 where you have to worry about everybody on the road trying to hijack you. And you actually feel moved with compassion and you pull over and ask if they need any help and they say they need a ride. And you're like, sure, hop in. They go to the car and they grab their bag and they start to come over to your car and you're like, oh, wait, no, I'll take you, but I won't take your bag. Huh? <laughs> well, why would we ever say that? Yeah. But yet that's the way that we think Jesus is treating us. He's saying, come with me. Okay, okay, but I'll just go ahead and I know you don't want my baggage. So I'm just going to leave my baggage here and I'll go with you. But I know where I left my baggage and I'm going to come back for it later. As soon as you get me back on my feet, I'm coming back for my baggage. That's good. That's Jesus would never do that. He's like, no, I want to take you and I want to take your baggage. I want it all. Cast your cares. Cast your worries. Cast your anxieties. Cast your doubts. Cast your thoughts. Cast anything that consumes you on me. I will sustain you. I will hold you up. I won't allow you to be shaken, to be moved. I'm going to make you stable. I'm going to make you secure. He's saying, this is the answer. You want to find rest in me? Give me everything. Surrender everything to me. Let me have it. Let me take control of it. 
I don't just want your soul. I don't just want your spirit. I want your entire life. I want everything because I want to make everything better. Not just your eternity. I want to make your present better. This is what, what Jesus is telling us. He's telling us that he wants everything. See, our salvation was meant to be a radical change in our lives. And yet many of us, all we allowed it to be was just a radical change in our spiritual lives, but not our entire lives, because we wanted to hold on to some stuff. And then we add more stuff on and more stuff on and more stuff on until we become too busy and we become out of it. I mean, there's, I, I'm one, and I know there are a lot in the church, and I'm one of these that are a lot in the church that are longing for just a move of God. And yes, we say we want the world to experience the move of God, but if we're going to be honest, we want to experience it first. Like, I want it, and I want it now. Well, that takes some big moment to happen. It takes a radical change to happen. Think about the things that you're out of. You're out of it in shape. You're out of, you know, touch. You're, you're out of sorts. You're out of control. You're just, everything is just out of it. Something is out of it. What radical thing needs to happen for you to get back into it? And many of us think uh, it doesn't have to be a big thing. Just, it's just a bunch of little things. No, it's not. If it was little things, we would have already done it. It takes a big thing. And the big thing is to make sure we're surrendering it all to God. We have to give him everything. We have to give him everything. Not just the things that we share. Not just the things that we've stopped. Everything. Everything, the things we do, the things we don't do, it all has to be given to him. Everything. We need to look to him. We need to acknowledge him. We need to be still with him.